Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell Benny and our listeners all about it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be the one to be told all about it and to hopefully ask some of the questions and or make some of the jokes that our listeners would if they were the ones that Kyle was talking to in person. Indeed. And if you, as our listener, happen to have any questions or jokes that Benny does not ask or say, <laughs> feel free to tweet them at us. Yes, you can always reach us on Twitter. We love, we love them. We love them tweets. Indeed, we do. And you probably know that because we're constantly reminding <laughs> you of that. I think we, our Twitter account probably likes pretty much every single mention of it. Our Twitter account likes it, and so do we. <laughs> In our hearts. We do, indeed. It, it definitely makes me happy whenever I see some engagement on our Twitter account. Because I actually don't really engage with our Twitter account very much, but... Well, we, we had some fantastic responses to our um, season end episode, which just came out recently. Because, um, of course, we're, we're a little ahead with our recordings compared to where the, uh, the episodes are actually being released. Right. And, yeah, if you were one of those folks who, um, you know made some fan art for us or just tweeted us about like what your favorite things were or um i don't know one person was like live tweeting it kind of yeah that was a lot <laughs> providing, of fun. providing responses kind of as the episode played <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it's all great and we we super appreciate it and it's it's so rewarding and encouraging to to have that type of reaction from folks so thank you yeah for sure thank everybody who who listens and also who tweets yes tweets emails it's all all fantastic and we appreciate every single one of you and you know if you're just uh listening if you're downloading the episode every week or every other week i guess and and listening in we appreciate you too that is also true i i look at our download statistics probably more often than it's than i ought to <laughs> well you know you should take pride in the work that you do kyle uh yeah that's true that's true and i do yeah and this is this is a lot of work um i know especially for kyle um so uh he he deserves every download <laughs> and every five-star review on itunes don't forget to like subscribe <laughs> <laughs> so i have been playing a lot of hades recently benny me too. I'm not sure if I've told you that or not. <laughs> I, I had the week off this past week, um, and you know I was on vacation, um, and man, I I have played hours and hours of Hades. I just bought it like a, a few weeks ago, so I'm still cool. like relatively new at it. Cool. You're you're playing I, on Switch, right? Yeah. Cool. Which uh, how, how far have you gotten? Um, the my most recent game actually was the farthest I've gotten, and. I, no, no, no spoilers. I don't see any character names, but like, which which boss have you gotten up to, or or which which area? Like, first boss, second boss, third boss. Uh, the I've gotten to the third area, the third boss area, third nice. area boss. Get those nice. words in the correct order. 
Mm-hmm. And I've actually gotten to the third area boss, like, I think this was my third time. That's literally where I am. I'm about to start my third fight against the third area boss. <laughs> this was the, the best I've done in that fight. I didn't survive, but it was the best I did before dying. Well, um, yeah, where, where I left it when I was playing most recently, I was certainly not going to do the best I've ever done because I'm so low on health. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. That fight might last me all of like, you know, 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> I got yeah. this this great boon combo. I guess they're like duo boons that I had never seen before. But yeah, I just I got, got my first duo run. boon this, this run as well. <laughs> I think you and I are just about <laughs> in the same spot. Yeah, sounds like it. And yeah, that that duo boon was quite nice. Are you by any chance using the bow? <laughs> um, no, it was a oh, spear. Thank goodness. A spear thank, thank goodness, I was about to get a little nervous there. <laughs> but we, I guess, we shouldn't waste too much of our listeners' time with with video game talk. We should definitely <laughs> talk more about eighties, though. I was, I was going to say, um, in case our, our listeners have forgotten, we were just doing like nonstop video game talk last time because we were like, oh, right, these, <laughs> these characters are, you know, in, or Ian's party is in a Fallout game and Susan's party is in a dating sim and Barbara's party is in GTA. Uh-huh. I think and that he, actually continues to some extent in this episode. Hey, and you know, our heroes are being chased by a monster. So right. if uh, if that health bar is, is filling up, then I think that, um, or, 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 you know, the, the character portraits pop up and they start talking to each other and then it's time for a boss fight. And now, now we brought it back to Hades. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So shall we get to this boss fight that Ian and Larry are, are approaching with the Slither? Yeah, so Ian and Larry just entered a, a, a wide open space, you know, um, roughly uh, rectangular, and then the the Slither's character portrait showed up and said "Rar," and then Ian's character portrait popped up and said "Like nice time for a fight." See, nice to see you here, Slither. It's been yes. a while. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so I should mention that this is. The eighth episode of season two, The Waking Ally. And after Ian and the Slither exchanged their dialogue boxes, <laughs> the Slither starts approaching toward Ian and Larry. And they both back up a little bit. And as you recall, they can't back up too far because they are like at the edge of the drop off into the mine. Mm hmm. But Larry does back up a little bit too far, and he slips off the edge. Oh, yikes. But luckily, there is a mining bucket, like, right there, and he manages to grab onto the side of it. So Ian just kind of, like, climbs over the side into the bucket and helps Larry climb into the bucket as well. Nice. Always always helpful to have those mining buckets when you need them. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I should mention that, you know, this is like the uh, very large bucket on, you know, this 
this big arm. It's like part of the industrial mining equipment. So, you know, they are now in this bucket that is like, you know, past the edge and hoping that they're going to be safe from the slither here in this bucket. But the slither... So how, uh, how how close are they? Are we talking like face-to-face? Are there a couple inches between them? Can they like, you know, not help but be like pressed right up against each other in this bucket by any chance? Uh, I would I would definitely say that they are pretty close to each other. It's probably okay. like, you know, two or three feet square. <laughs> so what you're saying is that we've got buckets of love. <laughs> Or maybe at least buckets of tension, which, depending on what you're into, may be what we're here for. True. So I guess this would be Larian. Yep, Larian. The Slither continues to approach the Larian bucket, (laughs) but we actually don't get to see it approach. They are employing the budget-saving technology of showing Larian as they watch the slither come toward the bucket and actually like try to jump the gap from you know the drop off to the bucket and the slither apparently jumps and manages to catch onto the side of the bucket oh yikes and you know the camera now like pans over a little bit to show us the side and the slither is here and ian basically yeah, looking looking at that like costume slash prop for the slither it did not look like it was going to be able to jump so i'm not <laughs> surprised that we didn't get that on camera uh-huh <laughs> would have been impressive though i would have liked to see that <laughs> yes. a little bit jealous of ian and larry <laughs> <laughs> so ian basically gets a big rock from the floor of the bucket and just starts hitting the slither with this rock Nice. Until it loses its grip on the bucket and falls. Ha, he just rocked its world. <laughs> nice. Larry wants to get out of the bucket now and leave, basically, or, you know, carry on with, with whatever their plan is going to be. Mm-hmm. But Ian thinks that they should wait a minute to make sure it's all clear because he thinks that somebody may have heard them fighting the slither. Cool. So, you know, they hide in the bucket, and while they wait, the Daleks discuss their work schedule. The camera cuts to, like, the Dalek room, and the Daleks are discussing their work schedule and saying that they have no time for delays, so they must proceed with their task. The waste bucket in shelf 9 is being lowered now. Hey now, who, 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 who are you calling a waste? <laughs> this is this is quality here. Uh huh. So the bucket starts lowering. It's too late for Ian and Larry to climb out of it now, and it heads down toward the bottom of the mine. Well, at least they're in good company. <laughs> Indeed. And it's like if this is a slow bucket, then it's like, well, we got nothing else to do in uh, in this bucket together. So. Uh, you might as well. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you're trapped in an elevator, you know, with your crush. Uh Uh-huh. The elevator is broken. You don't know how long it's going to be before the firemen come to rescue you. Maybe it's not so bad. 
It's, it's getting kind of getting kind of warm in here. I should take my my sweater off. <laughs> we cut to David and Tyler, who are escorting Susan and her grandfather through the city. Hey, William Hartnell's back. Yeah, we've got William Hartnell back. He glad he's feeling better. He's feeling better. He's healed from being dropped off the the Dalek saucer ramp. Mm-hmm. I should mention the ramp that leads into and out of the saucer that we've seen is basically just a, a piece of plywood. <laughs> so it does not terribly surprise me that that it may have collapsed. Yeah, that was uh, not built up to code. But this group of the four of them, David and Tyler and Susan and her grandfather, have just descended into the sewers again. You know, that is among the safest ways to travel through London is through the sewers. And those the sewer alligators are worth a ton of XP. Yeah, totally. You can get a lot of grinding done down there. Yeah, and if you've got a good enough gun, you can usually kill them before they're in melee range. Yeah, totally. You've got to be careful with your bullets, though. There's there's not a whole lot of opportunities to, to restock your cash. That's true, that's true. We did hear that the heroes were already low. Apparently there are a couple of robo-men coming after them. That's why they went down into the sewers. Hmm. These robo-men are, are still coming, and the doctor says that they'd better wait until both Robomen have climbed down into the sewer before they roll initiative, because if only one of the Robomen gets involved in the combat, the other one will probably go get reinforcements. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Also, didn't we hear in the last episode that Robomen can't enter the sewer? That's what David seemed to think, but... He is very quickly proven wrong in this scene because the Robomen do climb down the sewer ladder. Well, there, <laughs> there you go, I guess. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and everyone rolls initiative. Nice. Uh, apparently, they've switched back to D&D. <laughs> it's been D&D all along. <laughs> we just love D&D that much. Sure enough, as the doctor predicted... On one of the Robomen's first turns in combat, it tries to climb back up the ladder, but it doesn't make it all the way out in its turn. It doesn't have a very, you know, a very high move. So it gets partway up the ladder, and then Tyler gets to take a turn, and Tyler shoots it. Dang, Tyler. That's your solution to every problem, isn't it? <laughs> We get this, you know, whole great combat scene. There's a lot of grappling and punching. I'm pretty sure I saw a two-handed Star Trek hand chop at one point. Nice. Classic. Uh-huh. The Robomen's head-neck braces both get, you know, kind of askew, which doesn't seem to have any effect. <laughs> it's all done in one take, or as few takes as possible. Yeah. <laughs> The doctor definitely uses his walking stick as an improvised weapon, whacks, oh, um, whacks a robo man with it. Kind of pleased that he's contributing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he's like, well, it's my turn in initiative, gotta do something. <laughs> and ultimately, both of the robo men end up getting shot, and our heroes win the fight, and they continue traveling toward the mine. 
Nice. They're in kind of that the part in the old Fallout games where you know you've got like the the zoomed out map screen and you like you click on the next city and then you just get like a little dot and like probably you'll get some random encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, the old the old Fallout games, the old isometric ones. Anyway, <laughs> Barbara and Jenny are also playing the old isometric Fallout game, and they have come upon a random encounter in their travels. And this is one of those random encounters that's actually scripted, that's not random. Like, you're gonna run into this one if you're, like, you know, taking the usual path through the game. And this encounter is basically like shitty weather and an old hut that seems to be abandoned. Well, time to just go on past. (laughs) They, you know, check out the hut and head inside to get out of the shitty weather. Okay. (laughs) And turns out the hut, of course, is not actually abandoned. Oh, well, it's an encounter for a reason. Yeah. Inside the hut, there is a scraggly old woman. And there's also a younger woman who's also fairly scraggly living there with her, who she calls child, despite the fact that she's got to be at least in her late teens, if not older. So I think... The scraggly old woman would get along well with the doctor if he were here. <laughs> yep. Um, well, if the two ever meet, we might have to come up with a ship name. <laughs> Jenny and Barbara explain that they are heading to the mine to save their friends and that they were just looking for shelter from the storm. That's why they came into the hut. Mm-hmm. The scraggly old woman basically encourages them to stay there at the hut for a little bit. She talks about all the packs of wild dogs that are liable to attack them if they continue. She's like, the random encounter tables get much more brutal from here, she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we know how that goes. Yeah. That said, whenever there's a an NPC who's like, no, you should definitely stay with us, that's... uh. It's always a warning sign. <laughs> she, you know, gives them a little bit of her backstory. Apparently, she and this younger woman who lives with her make clothing for the enslaved workers at the mine. Handy. Mm-hmm. Nice to have that connection to the mine. And like, that's basically why the two of them are not at the mine working themselves. Like, the Daleks basically you know, figure there are more use making clothing for the mine workers than being mine workers themselves. So the Daleks actually trade them very small amounts of food for these clothes, but they're hungry most of the time. So Barbara gives them a few cans of her and Jenny's food. Cool. She gets some karma for that. Mm Mm-hmm. And the old woman actually says that in exchange they can they can spend the night there, 
and she gets the two of them started making a bed out of, you know, a pile of blankets and whatever. And meanwhile... <laughs> when, when we say you have to make your bed, we mean you have to make bed. <laughs> uh-huh. So while, yeah, while Barbara and Jenny are assembling their bed, the old woman goes and whispers with the younger woman, who then heads out of the hut, saying that she has to go deliver some clothes. And it sounds like we don't actually get to know what what they whispered. Right, we do not. Mm. (laughs) Barbara is, is definitely sus. Oh, good. Or, you know, thinks this is sus. She's like, you know, what about this storm that's happening? And what about those wild dogs? What about those wild you just dogs? Like five seconds ago. <laughs> right. But, you know, they have answers for all this. They're like, oh, well, you know, the Daleks won't wait for their clothing delivery. And, you know, she's definitely going to, like, be careful and, uh, and follow the Dalek patrols to avoid the dogs and whatever. Hmm. Well... Barbara, I think you're right to be sus. Yeah. Hey, how's the episode so far? You can share your thoughts by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting us at doctorwatcher. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And now, let's get back to the episode. We cut to the Larian bucket, which is still descending down into the mine and apparently has been for about 20 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, they definitely had some time there. If you want to write any fanfics or anything of what might happen in the bucket as it spends 20 plus minutes descending into the mine, feel free to do so. Yes. Don't mind if I do. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to mention the way that they filmed this particular scene of the bucket descending. I thought it was pretty interesting. The camera is focused on the bucket itself, but like the camera is kind of moving up and down slightly as if it's moving. And... Meanwhile, shadows are passing the bucket going up to, like, you know, give the impression that the bucket is going down. So, Kyle, when you say give the impression, surely you're not <laughs> suggesting that the actual bucket on the uh, the set was just sitting still and they were just trying to make it look like it was descending? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean that it, it gives the impression of what it is actually doing. Oh, gotcha. Of course, of course. (laughs) So the shadows slow down and stop moving as the bucket reaches the bottom or as close to the bottom as it's going to get, which is apparently about 12 feet away. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit of a jump even for a person of action. But, you know, Ian is a person of action, so he goes ahead and takes the jump He makes his athletics roll, he rolls well, and he does just fine. Whoa, I I don't know if I'd want to drop down 12 feet, but that's why I'm not a person of action. Larry, person of less action, Uh 
fucks up his kneecap on the landing. Mm. And now he basically can't walk without Ian supporting his weight. Well, that, as much as that's a shame for Larry, that's a plus one for the Larian ship. Yeah. So I, I think that that balances out in the end. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so they start looking for somewhere to hide while they figure out what to do next. Is there any sign of like a, a splattered slither down here by any chance? <laughs> you know, that that would have been good for them to do, but unfortunately I did not notice that. Because it fell, right? Yeah, it did, and it would have been it would have been here theoretically. Oh well. We cut back to the not so random encounter hut where Barbara and Jenny and the scraggly old woman are eating some food, you know, from these cans that Barbara had given her. Mm-hmm. And the scraggly old woman is reminiscing about the time that she went to London. Jenny tells her that the Daleks have basically destroyed it. And old woman doesn't really like hearing that. Destroyed? Well, I never. Oh, when I went, it was beautiful. There was the moving pavements and the shops and the the astronaut fair I went to, and it was in the Chelsea Pennyport. That does sound nice. Yeah, I thought that would be pretty cool to visit. Uh, and, and also, I like that she doesn't enjoy hearing it has been destroyed. It's like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Come on. <laughs> but about this time, the door to the hut opens, and the younger woman comes in, followed by a Dalek. Mm, well. The Dalek motions toward Jenny and Barbara, saying... You will follow me, both of you. Do not try to escape, or you will be exterminated. Move. Kyle? Kyle? It's it's still not exterminate, but I, I feel like I, we're, we're getting there. I think this is the closest we've come. Or you will be exterminated. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. It's definitely the closest we've come in this serial, and I'm pretty sure we didn't even come close in the first serial, if I remember right. Yeah, I feel like there was some like extermination or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting closer serial by serial. And this one's not over yet. Who knows? We might get exterminate before it's over. Indeed. So the two of them leave with the Dalek, and after they leave, the younger woman shows the old woman what's in her bag. <laughs> Bread and oranges and sugar. And it's at the price the price of two lives. Yep. The old woman is like Oh good, good. I knew they'd give us food if we told them. <laughs> Just to make it obvious, this is this is a kid show. <laughs> also, like, come on, this is the post-apocalypse. You really need a bunch of sugar. Yeah, that's a good point. What are you gonna do? Bake a cake? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sprinkle it on your bread? Like, come on. <laughs> uh huh. She looks out the window and you know watches as Barbara and Jenny 
are taken away or go with the Dalek, and she sighs. Oh, well, she's been captured. Keep telling yourself that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's how she can sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Ian and Larry, down at the bottom of the mine, are confused about what they find down there. There does not seem to be any ore processing happening at this mine at all. Like, there's just rock removal. Hmm. You know, typically, you're mining, like, for something. One would think, if this is actually a mine. Mm Mm-hmm. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, they, they are not processing anything that they're removing. They are just removing Larry, of course, is here at the mine to try to find and save his brother. And he reminds us that his brother has this theory that the Daleks want the magnetic core of the Earth for some reason. (laughs) They're going to be digging for a while. (laughs) A work group approaches. So Ian and Larry hide behind a pile of baskets. But then the workers start taking all the baskets. <laughs> well, that was maybe not their best choice. <laughs> uh-huh. They realize that, you know, their hiding spot is not going to last very long. They need to come up with another plan. So they decide that they'd better join the workers. They, they just grab a basket. <laughs> yep, yeah. Ian helps Larry get to his feet, and they each grab a basket. But the Roboman who is overseeing this work group notices them. Too many in working party. Dalek supreme control. Recheck. Who are you? They're like, well, I don't know. We've been here all along, but those two over there, they look pretty sus. (laughs) Just pointing at two random guys in the group. Uh Uh-huh. It turns out that this robo-man is actually Larry's brother, Phil. Oh, shit. Yeah. So Larry starts talking to Phil, or, you know, trying to talk to Phil rather than to the Roboman, mentioning, like, Phil's wife, Angela, stuff like that. But it quickly becomes clear that Phil is not actually in there anymore. No, he's just Robo-Phil. So, yeah, Larry tells Ian to run while he can, basically, and starts grappling Robo-Phil. Dang. Phil shoots Larry, and Larry strangles Robo-Phil, and they both die. Dang. Dude, that's that's heavy stuff. Yeah, totally. As soon I mean, as... Uh, there's, there's a lot of gun violence in this children's show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one actually is a, a pretty violent serial overall. Yeah, I think we've we've mentioned before that um, we're not sure if Terry Nation got the memo that this is a children's show. (laughs) As soon as Robophil dies, an alarm starts to sound, and some Dalek voices, you know, on the PA system call attention to this shaft, but all the enslaved workers all rush back and basically help Ian dispose of the bodies down the shaft and try to escape nice it's always it's always good in these shows when uh 
when the the downtrodden get a chance to to help our heroes help them hopefully yeah totally i mean i i hope that this doesn't end really badly for for all these guys but let's let's see what happens next yeah and you know they do have at least a moment of freedom at the for now because Robophil is no longer overseeing them. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Susan, who is now very firmly back in the dating sim. She is preparing some food on a cook fire when David like startles her by holding a fish in her face, basically. <laughs> Dang, David, be a little more subtle. <laughs> <laughs> They like wrestle in the grass and end up holding hands. And David pulls out the age old classic flirtation technique of complimenting one's grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Your grandfather stood up to the journey fantastically well. He's a pretty fantastic sort of man. Aww. And also a bit of an asshole, <laughs> but we we love him. Uh huh. They start to kiss. Wow! But they get interrupted by the arrival of the doctor and Tyler. Uh huh. Yeah, David's like. Hi, we were just. Uh, well, I was just. Uh, and the doctor's like. Hi, hi. I can see something's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> nice line. Uh-huh. David and Susan are like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. We're we're cooking rabbit for dinner. <laughs> and if you know what I mean. <laughs> as they eat, they talk about what they all think the Daleks are doing here. Tyler and David, I guess, had basically just assumed that the Daleks just wanted to do some invading. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. And they uh-huh. just want to do some invading. Yeah, and so Tyler and David weren't weren't super concerned about the mining operations, but the doctor thinks they're after something specific. Well, at the moment, my boy, I'm not quite sure, but let us say something that this planet contains, something that no other planet has. A magnetic core? No other planet has a magnetic core? Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that myself. I did not do any research on it, but I would not have thought that that was unique to Earth. Well, I don't know that it's not <laughs> I don't know much about planets or magnetic cores, so I assume the doctor knows more than I do. He is, after all, a time-traveling alien. That's true. The Daleks probably know more about it than we do, you or I, as well. Mm-hmm. So back in the mine, Ian hides as another work group passes by, and he notices that this work group contains Barbara. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's kind of a good thing that we know where she is now. Yeah, that's true. Jenny's there too, but, you know, Ian hasn't met Jenny yet, so he doesn't, he doesn't comment. He just notices Barbara. Mm-hmm. Jenny doesn't have enough strength to lift this basket of rocks that she's supposed to, like, dump into the dumpster basically and she's getting pretty down on herself and barbara has to kind of talk her back up again oh good good get get those uh i mean because we we are recording these episodes in advance we don't know if this is a 
uh, Jarbra or uh, Barbeni moment, but we, we like it either way. Indeed. Listeners, you can, in your brain, edit out the incorrect name <laughs> in this sequence. Yes. So, yeah, we get this nice little Jarbeni or... Wait a sec. <laughs> we get this nice little Barbeni or Jarbra moment where Barbara talks Jenny back up and Barbara's trying to come up with plans for what they should do next. And she comes up with the idea of trying to get into the control room. I'm sure that's what the doctor would do. Cool. It probably is. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jenny is not too sure of this idea, but Barbara remembers that she still has Dortmund's notes, and so she starts executing a plan after using one of the doctor's old tricks and telling Jenny that there's no time to explain the plan. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I do like that she's... <laughs> Um, becoming more and more doctor <laughs> Yeah, she's learning. So she gets the attention of a nearby Dalek. And she tells it that she has important information about an anti-Dalek uprising being planned. And the Dalek is like, Fuck Antida. There will be no revolution. The Daleks are masters of Earth. Nice. Barbara tells them that this uprising is different. They've got like scientists and shit working with them. And she shows them Dortmund's notes, which the Dalek recognizes as Details of the acid bomb used in the unprovoked attack on the London Source Atlantic area. <laughs> Yeah, I I do enjoy the unprovoked attack there. Like, yeah, uh, we were we were just trying to enslave you all. Come on. Yeah, seriously. We're, we're, we're the masters of Earth. <laughs> we can enslave you if we feel like it. She says that she has details about you know like where the Antida groups are located mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but that she needs to pass this information on to the Dalek in charge. And also that her name is Karen, and can she please speak to the manager? (laughs) And the Dalek is like, The Black Dalek will see you, but if you are lying, you will be killed. Follow me. And she does. And she's like, man, I I hope I level up between here and there so I can add some more points to my bluff. (laughs) We cut ahead to the Dalek control room where the black Dalek is getting a status update from the other Daleks. Apparently, the drills are within a few miles of penetrating completely through the Earth's crust to reach the core. Wow, that... Uh, I, I mean, I don't know much about how thick the Earth's crust is, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a little thicker than that. I guess we don't know like how long they've been they've been here working at it. Yeah, and yeah, okay, fine. Like I said earlier, I don't know much about planets or planetary cores or Earth's crusts or 
And uh, I, I mean, if the Daleks say that they're closed, then they're closed. <laughs> I, I shouldn't even be saying anything about nothing. They actually show this like whole diagram that the Daleks have up on the wall that shows like, you know, the mining shaft and there's a little, you know, arrow pointing to the the bucket and, you know, all the different things like that. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, apparently all they have left to do is to place the final penetration explosives. <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> And once they have penetrated, they will control the flow of energy. Such is the gravitational and magnetic forces in the Earth's core are eliminated. Whoa, does that mean that, like, not only will our magnets stop working, but we'll all just sort of float off the planet? I guess, yeah. They're just going to, like, kind of plug the magnet power and the gravitational power into something that just, like, drains it. Dang. And like once that's done, they can remove the core of the earth and once the core is removed, we can replace it with a power system that will enable us to pilot the planet anywhere in the universe. Dude, that sounds awesome. Let them do it. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty great fucking idea. <laughs> I'm all for it. Just remove the magnetic core of the Earth and replace it with, like, an engine to drive the planet through the universe. <laughs> Just imagining it making, like, a little putt-putt-putt-putt sound as it flies Of course, the Daleks are good project managers, and they know that any project that you want to set up for success needs a good name. Yes, that's true. So most important thing. This whole thing, which is going to be complete in a matter of hours, has been known as Project Degravitate. <laughs> Amazing. So they make an announcement over the Minds PA system to let all the Daleks know that, you know, Project Degravitate is going pretty fucking awesomely. We're actually almost done. It's going to be so cool. And Ian is hearing this announcement and looking for a new place to hide down, you know, at the bottom of the mine. And he finds this small, like, chamber to climb inside of. And he thinks that he is safe there. But before long, the chamber closes with him inside and yeah it starts like moving down a line toward a shaft and it turns out that ian's new hiding spot is the final penetration explosive (laughs) oh buddy so as it approaches the fissure over which the daleks intend to release it Text appears on the screen, reading next episode, Flashpoint. Nice. 
Well, that that is a heck of a cliff dangler. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty great one. Also, yeah, um, just for for our our, uh, our audience, for our listeners, could you describe this fissure that the penetration explosive is approaching? <laughs> I'm trying to think how much. How I don't think we need to. Dirty I think our audience I go on this. They, they get the idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fill in your own. Fisher to be penetrated joke here, audience. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, audience, and sorry, Kyle. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, um, this is this is fun. I, I like this. I think that this is going to turn out better than the first Dalek cereal. Um, good yeah. job. Yeah. Good job, Terry Nation. Um, we we were a little wobbly in the start. We had some kind of kind of <laughs> kind of problematic moments, um, which again seems to be a Terry Nation thing. But uh, now that the, the plot's moving along, now we're now we're the problematic ones. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe the problematicness was was in us all along. <laughs> yeah, I remember. You know, I listened to our season one wrap up episode not too long ago because it came out not too long ago at time of this recording, unlike time of this airing and listening to from our <laughs> audience. But I remember talking about how with the first Dalek serial, like it's great and it's Daleks, but I actually wasn't like super impressed with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess. Slight spoiler for when we get to the end of the serial. I am enjoying this one quite a bit more than that first one. Oh, cool! Excellent. Well, um, we're not we're not done with it yet, but um, I am enjoying it too. And then we'll see when we get to the end of this whole season. Um, you know, how many years from now? <laughs> um, we'll see uh, what, what grade we give it. Indeed. Um, cool. Well, you know the. The Larian ship uh, went burbling down into the briny deeps, um, but we've got a few a few ships remaining. Um, the the let's just call it the Barbara Jenny ship um, still seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one. That's the one I think I have the most uh, hopes for. Uh, no, yeah, like you know, Susan and David were just like straight up smooching. Yeah, I think we can uh, we can consider Sue Vidler to just be Sue Vid. Yeah, is that our point. first? Is that our first kiss in, in Doctor Who so far? I don't you know, I'm not sure. It might be. I don't know if anyone else has been doing any any kissing. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, if it was good, if not, still still glad for Susan. I mean, hope it doesn't end tragically. Kind of give it a 50-50 chance at this point, but we'll see. We'll see you in the next episode of The Doctor's Watcher. Come back in two weeks and find out if this flashpoint is Ian's penetration explosive or the Suvid ship. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23 
That's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Grandfather stood up to the journey fantastically well. He's a pretty f- man. Somebody around here. Time for food. Ah, oh, yes, my dear. Hi, we were just. Uh, well, I was just. Uh, hi, hi. I can see something's cooking.